Drowning in IRS debt? If you can't afford to pay your IRS debt due to economic hardship, you can now be free of IRS collection efforts by taking advantage of a special IRS tax hardship program. This program allows Americans who owe the IRS to resolve their delinquent tax debt once and for all. In some cases, maybe even reducing what you owe significantly. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Simply dial 800-600-3010. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back or have years of unfiled tax returns, help is standing by. Just call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-600-3010 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your social security check. Call 800-600-3010 to see if you qualify. That's Everybody, welcome back. It feels like it's been actually a while since we've all been together. I mean, we haven't recorded an episode in a couple weeks. We, you know, obviously Shantice and I went out to Charlotte to record our episode, and Tyler had his very first yeah. morning in the bank segment. Tyler, yes, how was that? You know, it was a great opportunity, like a great platform to, you know, really just talk about the draft for a little bit and really focus in on uh, what the Panthers uh, could do with Pick 7. You know, Shantice has something really good going with his YouTube channel, and, you know, it was just a pleasure to be on there. And if you haven't uh, watched that yet, I would – Strongly encourage you to go do that right now. Oh, yeah. The fastest growing up money in the bank episode that we had to date. We got to go check it out. People want to know. People are starting to realize the Adam Schefter mind that we have with us <laughs> on this team. You can see in his writing, too. He just put out a couple articles on the new Brawl Network website that we just launched just this past weekend. Y'all, if you have the time, please check it out. They gave us these fantastic shirts. We'll show them the back, oh, too. Yeah, look look at that. Show, show, show it all, man. All the platforms we got going. Exactly. There we go. Look at that. It's their fire shirts. They got even – they have Panthers Brawl-specific T-shirts. You can get our logo and Panthers Blue. You can get some sweatshirts. It's all really cool stuff, and they have them for all of the podcasts. So definitely give that a check because – the team in Brawl Network has worked really hard on that, and it is paying off. Most definitely. Um, so talking about, like we said earlier, uh, last time we were on the mic, we were talking with Kevin Donnelly. We got the pleasure of sitting down with him in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he was just such an amazing guy to talk to. I mean, we knew – I'd listened to the podcast a little bit that he'd been on before. I knew you know, some of the stuff he says in the, he said in the pregame and postgame shows, but, I mean, just to hear – these stories and these takes from someone who had been on the team that we've watched for so long. It's just, it's such a cool experience. It's, it's a while. Cause I know we sit here and talk about this stuff every week, which is great. Cause we're talking from a fan's perspective. But then you think about some of the bigger moments that's happened in this franchise's history that he got to witness yeah. being in the locker room. He think he puts a whole different perspective on it. You always forget. We, I think we forget that as fans, like yo fam, these guys actually lived this. They were like, there. They, like, I mean, he was talk talking about some of the players he had played with. I mean, he was talking Jake DeLome, Steve Smith, Julius Peppers. We knew that. But then you got your Warren Moon, your Eddie George, Steve McNair, even freaking Jason Taylor yeah. and Zach Thomas when he played for Miami. Yeah, oh, like, don't, oh, don't forget Dan Marino. No. And Dan Marino. Yeah, Dan Marino. <laughs> crap. I mean, he had just a, such a story NFL career. One of those real down-to-earth guys that also would put you in the dirt kind yeah. of guys. 
And those are just a dime a dozen you see in the NFL. So, again, shouting out Kevin Donnelly. Thank you so much for coming on. And, y'all, be on the lookout. We're going to try to get some more guests on the podcast because, like we said, who doesn't want to hear from these people that have actually been on the field? That's the facts. Now, coming into this, I'd be very interested to see what Kevin had to say about the trade that uh, transpired earlier this morning in which Trey Turner was traded to the Chargers. And for return, we got Russell Okun. Now, I believe in my organization's ability to do the best for the team, but this one kind of has me at a loss for words. Um, for me, obviously, Russell Okun is a, we know he's a, he, he was at one point a top-tier offensive tackle. He still can play. He's not like, he's not completely washed. It's just that I can't understand and I can't justify trading away a 26-year-old guard Five-time Pro Bowler, who's twenty-six, and that who's who's been healthy, whose play hasn't deteriorated. Why he is he perfect? No, but okay, he's the best of the of the of the crap show that's been an offensive line for the last five years. So I mean, I can't find much, you know, peace in this in this deal, honestly. Yeah, you know, I'll get right to it off the bat. Um, I think this just starts a rebuild. Um, this last week at the combine, you know, Tepper, you know, he said um, pretty much everyone's available. I don't know if you guys saw that, but, you know, he's just willing to, you know, trade anybody at this point. And I think this was the first step in that direction. But but I don't think it was a step into a rebuild, though. You know what I'm saying? Like we have our starting right guard, Trey Turner. You know, he's been he's been solid, as Sean T said. Um, but. Uh, and then, of course, last year in the second round, we trade up to take Greg Little, who, you know, I wasn't a fan of that pick, and he's, you know, he's had a rough start. And then, of course, that right tackle, I have Taylor Moton, and he's been all right there. So, I don't, I don't find like, are they going to give up on Greg Little already and kind of like just leave that hole at right guard? So now, what do we do at right guard? That's just a whole other need, you know. And um, I was looking at it actually, and. By getting rid of Trey Turner, they clear a $12 million cap hit that he had. However, they have to take on a $9 million dead cap from him. So they're really only clearing $3 million. They're taking on Okung's contract, which is $15 million. So we're not really saving any money anywhere. And, no, you know, so I guess the only thing I could think of right now is that number seven pick. That's the only thing my mind goes back to because now, okay. We talked about offensive linemen being a possible need at that number seven pick. Well, all right, cool. Well, you went and you traded for a left tackle. You said you needed one. Does that now make – do we just move off of that position completely in the draft and go after what uh, Isaiah Simmons, of course, is the guy that I think we all want. Yeah. But, you know. See, and I think it's just – to me, it's just a dispersal of the problems. It's just reshifting and rehashing the problems because, like you said – now we have this hole in the right side of the line, which was our strong side of the line. You had that combo of Moten and Turner. And I honestly think y'all are a little are giving Turner a little less credit than he deserves because in reality, I mean, for what, two just two years ago, Turner was one of the highest graded linemen in the NFL. I mean, he had his ups and downs at the beginning of the career, but he developed over time. And that's what you want to see in a lineman, especially mm-hmm. on that side of the field. And now what I was confused about is yes, we had this disparity in the left side of the field. But and Greg Little for what he did, it wasn't a great season. But the problem with, uh, that I always had, because I hated that pick too, 
because they knew what they were getting going into it. He had had a year where he had not played. We knew what was we were going into. He was coming off of an injury, so you accepted that risk. And then the games he did play, in my mind, he did better than expected. Mm-hmm. And when Daly played, he did a lot better than expected. The problem in my mind was Williams. When Williams was on the left side of the field, he played horribly. Yeah. He was getting blown up. He was getting du- He was getting swim moved. He was getting whatever. He was letting up that side of the field all the time. In my mind, he is the he's the person that needs to go. Like, because with Williams, or excuse me, with Daly and with Little, these are very, very young pieces that you can mold and you can shape and hopefully develop over time. Russell Okung is 31, like we said. He, he is, is what he is. He is what he is. He's not going to change now. And putting him on the left side of the field, yes, might help you. You might get that veteran presence there. But now you have this hole on the right side of the field. What are you going to do with that? And if we, you know... And now it's even a bigger problem because I think, unfortunately, with this draft, as I've been saying, the, the offensive line men that we've seen in this draft, there is a, a wide range of fairly good ones, but for the most part, they focus on the left side of the field, not the right. So now, like you said with this draft pick, I don't know what you do. So, I mean, how, what kind of impact do we think this, this will have on the line overall? Overly negative, overly positive, too late, too early to tell. What do you all think? Yeah, so I'll just go one by one. You know, we'll probably have Matt Paradis at center still next year. And, you know, he had his fair share of, you know, ups and downs last year. But, I mean, you know, he's coming off an injury in the first year in the contract. So I'll give it to him. I mean, he'll be a solid starter next year. Um, right guard, who knows? Um, right tackle, I prefer Moton. I mean, I, don't, I prefer him at right tackle. I don't want to move him anywhere else. You know, just leave him there. Um, you know, left guard is also a question, too. I think Dennis Daly could be somebody that could kick inside to play one of those roles. But also, you know, the sixth offensive lineman is is viewed as a very valuable piece to the offense, sometimes maybe even more valuable than a starter just because of how many holes there can be. And I think Daly can play all over the line, too. So, I mean, if we can kind of keep him as a, you know, like the sixth man, per se, um, for another year, that would be good. And then... You know, I, I probably Oak, – Okung will start um, over uh, Greg Little for this year and just to, you know, maybe groom Little a little bit some more. But, I mean, yeah, there's just there's just no pros to this trade, and it's not going to help our line. Yeah, as far as a trade, it's an awful trade. I can – the only piece – I guess the only thing positive I can find out of this is that, okay, it gives Little and a, a proven left tackle – that, yeah. he can, that he can learn from. So that's that's all well and good. But overall, you don't get better by getting rid of your best guy. No. It just doesn't happen in any walk of life that you get better by subtracting the best man, the best man from an already bad group. So, yeah. I mean, you know, overall, I don't have anything in depth. It's just it's not going it, to – I just can't see it working out for the better for us right now. Like I said, now if this was Russell Okun of – I believe it was – did he play for the Broncos or the Seahawks first? He played, he played, he played. Oh, ah, I can't he played for the Seahawks first. He played for the Seahawks first, okay. If it was Seahawks, Russell Okung, even if it was Broncos, Russell Okung, because that was, I think, three years or so ago. I mean, off of that, in, before the injury, you know, mm-hmm. he was performing at, the, one, of the, at the top, one of the top levels of the position. I mean, he was doing very well for himself. Coming off of, I can't even pronounce the injury that he had. I don't remember. Uh, what, what, a, whatever he had. Pulmonary embolism. Yeah, I, I can't pronounce that. That's too many syllables. <laughs> um, <laughs> But coming off of that, you know, and playing for, I think it was uh, the Saints and the Chargers in the last two years, two, three years or so. I mean, he's been mid at best. And even that's pushing it. That's being generous. So in my mind, I really, really hope that 
the rationale for trading for him was not what is being speculated, which was that our new O-line coach used to coach with the Charger or used to coach um, used to coach with Okun or for Okun. I don't remember if he was – I can't remember which team. But I really hope that sort of rationale did not surround this. I personally hope that the rationale around this, tra- around this trade – was what you were saying, provide a veteran presence for little to learn from, because that could help them in the long run, if that's your game plan. Or that maybe they wanted to add another veteran presence overall to that incredibly young line, because if you said really, ah, <laughs> as we said, uh, as we were saying, the, I mean, the only really veteran presence, per se, is Paratus, and that's, he's not even that horribly old, but like... Even going off that, Turner's only 20. I mean, Turner was 26. That's, I mean, right in that middle area, he could have, I mean, that's still a veteran presence. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's prime age for, I mean, as far as experience goes, he's been playing, what, he's been playing for a while now. So, I mean, what do y'all think the rationale was for that? Because I don't, I have nothing for it. Got to be veteran presence. It's, I mean, well, it's, it's got to be to A, veteran presence, B, to give you a quick one-year option that they, that Carolina does a lot with offensive linemen, especially at their left tackle position. We've done that quite some time. I mean, think about Chris Clark just the other year. Yeah. Like, and he ended up, I mean, he, he actually was a decent option. Compared to what Derrick Williams has been, I mean, he's actually was a decent option. Like, you know, he's a quick a band-aid fix for but see, the whole But see, that's what I hate about this, yeah, about this Panthers organization and this leadership is these freaking band-aid fixes. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but yeah. it pisses me off because that's why Cam had six left tackles in nine years. And you're not going to build a consistent relationship with the most important lineman on your team, per se, especially when you have a right-handed quarterback. That's his blind side. That's why Cam's getting pile-drive every freaking game is because we don't have a consistent lineman over there. And so I just that that that's what it makes me mad is they're doing this. I mean, I understand it. It works strategically in the short term, but in the long term, you're just screwing us over more. Yeah, until they decide to invest, truly invest into that position, you're not going to get anything out of it. No, left tackles don't. You can't just find them on the street. No, that's not how you. That's not how it works. But I mean, the rationale it just has to be to free up what you want to do with that seventh pick. I guess because that's the that's the only thing I could. That's the only thing. Up. that's the only thing that makes sense at this point for me yeah for me the rationale it's really hard to like figure it out but um trade uh his turn his contract is up um soon i think and you know maybe there's something there like they're in negotiations and he's going to want a huge contract or something that they just want to you know get rid of him while they're ahead with him and still get something and just let, rather than letting him walk but that's all i got really that's another thing I was kind of thinking of too when I first heard that we were, because when I first heard we were, that we were talking about shopping him, I was like, please don't. I would really rather you didn't. And of course, they didn't listen because when did they ever? And that was the one thing I was thinking about too was the, uh, the thing that calmed me down is I thought, okay, well, maybe they believe he is the best player that is also expendable in, in terms of talent and like that people would actually want to want, like people would, buy, would, would trade for. Because he is talented, and maybe they thought that out of you know the different pieces of our team, the very few pieces of our team that are that people do desire, you know your McCaffrey, DJ Moore, your Cam Newton, your uh, um, your Shaq Thompson, he was the most expendable expendable of those. But now coming today, and that's what we get for him. I mean, we were talking about the other day. I like I need a I need a first rounder. I need a good. I need a, a, at, least a B, at least a B lister. I need a third at least. And we got basically a 
crapshoot for him. So it's just this, it's the short-term mindset that I think is what is causing these Panthers to have dug themselves the hole that they have. And you talked about it earlier. I, it feels like they're trying to make steps to rebuild, but then the steps they're making, the, the results they get are detrimental to a rebuild. Because like we were talking about, I mean, what you're doing right now is not going to help you rebuild. It really, it really isn't. So, I mean, do we think the Panthers are trying to begin a rebuild or do we think they're just throwing darts in the middle of the night and just hoping they hit something? I'll let you shoot first on this one, Tyler, because I want to hear because I... <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I definitely think so. Um, because once Tepper said he wants to, you know, make some moves at the combine, you know, everyone's available. Um, it just really, I'm like, all right, the step, all the evidence is all there. And then just, you know, with Matt Rule and how he took over at Baylor and Temple, there's no real worry um, uh, that he can, like, turn it around and change what they have. So I think definitely um, rebuild is going to happen. We just got to see how, what, who's trade, who's being traded, who's not, what are we doing in the draft. That's all what we got to see now. Uh, I think for me, uh, I, I don't know. They, 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 they're one foot in, one foot out. Because if you want to rebuild, then let go of Cam. Yeah. Trade Cam off. I mean, I mean, obviously you they can't. I mean, obviously you got you got to think for that logistics of where you where you trade them to, what you're getting back from. Yeah. Them. But here's my thing: if you're gonna go for you're gonna rebuild, rebuild. Yeah. Don't don't keep certain guys around. Like you keeping Cam around is gonna guarantee you probably win six or seven games. Yeah. You okay? So it means you're gonna be okay. You'll be in the top half of the draft, but you're gonna pick like around thirteen to sixteen. So how much like so? What are you trying to accomplish? I just can't tell the the direction. For me, seems like they, yeah, we kind of want to rebuild, but then like, well, no, we could kind of figure it out, but let's 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 just half-ass it and let's just see what happens. Yeah. You know, I, and that that's that's my, that's my biggest issue. I'm like, I just can't get behind the lack of a direction. I just can't. I I can't see the direction they're trying to go with this. I mean, seven-year deal tells me what, what, what Matt Rule tells me. Oh, we're rebuilding. We're going all over with the new coach. Then saying you keep a cam tells me, well, okay, we guess we still want to win now. Yeah. But then trade off Trey Turner tells me, okay, we want to rebuild. We'll pick one and just enroll with that. Yeah, and it's it's aggravating too because we as Panthers fans are always, you know, we were always angry about the fact that we get the superstar quarterback and then for the first five, six years of his career, real in reality, don't do much to provide him with weapons. You build your defense up a little bit. I mean, you get made some great picks there. You've got some guys, you know, transitioning in and out. But in reality, really, we're, we're not making any moves to provide him with talent. And now come to this other – now we're on the opposite side of the spectrum. Cam has been shot a little bit. But in his time off the field, these star, these players like DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, McCaffrey have taken the reins and have become these bigger talents that can propel – that Cam can actually utilize. And now it's like, well, sorry, the defense isn't great and you're not healthy, so we're just going to like – we're just going to reset anyway because we don't think you can be successful with it. Because it, And that's the weird part. Like, the offensive weapons that we have and the weapons, not in the trenches because in the trenches we're screwed. But the weapons we have right now, you could produce a winning season off of these weapons. If you have DJ going at full speed, if you have McCaffrey going at full speed, if you have at least a healthy Cam Newton and you're able to produce – with even with even with the the the, the shambly de- defense that we have now, I think you could still even produce at the least at the least you know like a nine and seven season. Yeah. But now I don't, and it's like we're one foot. It's like we take one step forward, three steps back. I, it's 
this inconsistency of, of knowing what our purpose is and knowing what's happening. And, I, and that's what pisses me off. Yeah, I mean, it could be because like, obviously we're fans. We want to know things now. They may have a plan in place where they, okay, where they actually do get rid of camp. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this. I mean, this is. Yeah. I mean, what? 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 We're in March, early March, and yeah. the draft isn't until when? It's in, I know it's in April, but I don't know. Like, April twenty third. Like, hmm? April twenty third. April twenty third. Oh, so oh, he's got it written in his calendar. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Christmas morning. <laughs> it's, it's, <excuse laughs> but, but yeah, we're we're so long away from the draft being here that like okay, nobody. Really, we 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 don't. We're not privy to the information that they have over there. And yeah. Like I said, this. They actually could. They, they probably do have a plan. I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think they don't have a plan. I just don't think that we know or have any idea what this plan is going to be. But what 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 frame of reference do we have for the Panthers organization? Oh, I just oh, 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 I never said I trusted the plan. I said <laughs> I just have. Because <laughs> there's a difference between having a plan and having a plan that's going to work. Oh yeah, we we never said it was a good plan. We just said it was a plan. <laughs> and yeah, I think. But, oh, you got. Go oh yeah, yeah. We're going off what Shanti said earlier about. You know, you can't like, you know, half rebuild, half not. I think you fully have to commit either way. If you're going to win now, you, you got to win now. If you're going to rebuild, you know, you got to strip it all t- to the ground and just start over. And, you know, it's kind of a weird situation that we're in with Cam because since his contract's up after next season, are we going to resign him? And if we're going to try to win now, are we going to try to do that next year? Because I don't know about you guys, but our roster is not ready to go to the Super Bowl right now, oh, which is why. No. Which is why I think, you know, I think we're going to rebuild and then you got to trade Cam. And, you know, that might be shocking to hear because in the first few, episodes, first few episodes, I was saying keep Cam, keep Cam. But now I think you got to get rid of him. And then once we trade him, then, I mean, we've kind of touched on it here and there. Um, everyone else is, um, you know, on the block, especially uh, Christian McCaffrey, because What's the point in keeping McCaffrey if you're just going to be losing, and then you have a running back that you have to figure out about paying him or not, which is, which is always like a big deal. And um, so I just want to see them go one way or another. And um, similarly, the Bills they rebuilt a few years ago, and they're kind of in the same situation as us, where they don't have like, you know, the best roster for it, but um, they took a year off and didn't draft a quarterback right away. And they traded back. They drafted Tredavious White, built like a solid core on offense and defense. And then the next year they got their guy in Josh Allen um, and they traded up and using their um, picks that they acquired and trading back. So I, I like something like that if we did that, but we'll just have to see, I guess. Yeah. I feel like they're trying to go in a way. What, what I think, what I can see is that maybe the Panthers are trying to set uh, where they're not rebuilding this year, but maybe trying to set the team up to where they'd be in a better position to start rebuilding next year. Because what we learned from Kevin is that the main reason that Marty Herney is still a part of the team is because originally it was interim. Now he's still, you know, he's been working with the team full time. And I think, and what he was saying is that for a GM, your season doesn't start in September. Obviously, your season starts in about February 3rd, literally. That's when you start looking, you start scouting, you start looking at combines, you start looking at camps, you start looking at the head of the draft. So they felt that that he was, what he was saying from kind of an insider position is that they're not in a place right now where they can let him go or they can switch to a new GM because he's already put in, laid the groundwork for this upcoming season. So in my mind, hopefully, I pray, because if you want to truly rebuild, if you really, really want to start your team fresh he cannot be a part of it no his mindset is too old his tactics are too old and he just he won't last 
through. He won't be able to see the rebuild through. No. So you cannot have him. So what I'm thinking is the Panthers maybe, and I think because I think the Panthers do deep down want to keep Cam. I think Rule wants Cam. I think Brady wants Cam. And I think Cam wants to be there. I think it's going to be very contingent, like I've been saying, about how he performs this season. And I think, dependent upon how the season goes, more likely than not, the rebuild starts next offseason. Herney will see himself gone at the end of the season. Cam, more likely than not, I think will see himself gone at the end of the season as well. And then you start your rebuild. And you start your rebuild off, I think, with getting a couple big draft picks like the Bears or like the Raiders did for Khalil Mack. You get a couple first round picks for McCaffrey. Because, like you're saying, what's the point in keeping him? If we're just going to waste this perennial talent that we have, yep. I mean, he could be he could be so good on any on any other team. He go to the Colts and he would be the season rushing. I mean, he'd be the single season rushing record. He'd be he, he'd, go, he'd be MVP candidate over there. He would be that right. offensive line. He could run. I mean, he you saw what he did with the offensive line throughout the season without when Kyle Allen wasn't holding him down with a freaking you know pitchfork and keeping him sedated. But I mean. I'm serious because I mean before without Kyle, Allen, if it wasn't for some of Kyle Allen's you know turnovers, McCaffrey was in the MVP conversation. Yeah. He was for the first six seven weeks, and with and that was with a horribly crappy O line. We hadn't even had our rotation set yet up until the Cardinals game, and that's a month right. into the season. But on a a team with a solid offensive line, McCaffrey could run circles around anybody. So why and like we said, it's like you're creating another Kemba Walker situation with the Charlotte Hornets. Why waste this? Some of the best, this guy who's one of the best players in his position, just to be mediocre, and then his career doesn't get acknowledged the way it should. You know, it's funny. I, we're we're at episode six now. It's funny if you just go back six weeks ago, and you we all we had so much more. We hope. had so we <laughs> had so much more hope about what we were going to do with Cam. You're like, nah, we the got out, it. Oh, fam, the outlook of the season was way more happy. Like, fam, we're, 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 we're wearing black shirts for a funeral for the season. <laughs> That's basically what it is now. Like I'm, I'm just sitting here listening. I'm like, oh my god, we are so <laughs> we're drained, drained emotionally, like, like physically drained. Like I was listening. Like I mean, because everything Tyler said made perfect sense. Everything everybody is saying these last couple minutes have made, have made perfect sense. You trade Cam if you if you want to if you want to do it, do it. Trade Cam, trade trade Christian, and just start over. Do it. If you had told me a month ago that I would be physically okay to speak the words trade Cam and McCaffrey. <laughs> I'd shank you. I'd physically <laughs> stab you because you're a liar. But it's come to the point where it's like it's this weird paradox. If we have this talent and then we're going to waste it, it's like the time period, like we said before, you know, before kind of Rivera. It's like why Beeson isn't as acknowledged as he was because he was in this weird time period where we weren't successful, yep. but we had this great talent. And it's almost insulting to these players to not be successful with them. I mean, I felt bad enough not getting TD or Smitty or even Olsen or Khalil a ring. But God forbid, I mean, if we can't get McCaffrey a ring, if we couldn't get Keekly a ring, if we can't get Cam a ring, like... Which franchise has had too many great players all at once to not have anything to show for it. Exactly. Like, too many great players that we've seen come and go. And at this point, I mean... And so much oh. has changed. So much is, I mean, Keekly gone. You know, Greg gone. We've got TD gone. We've got, I mean, literally so many people that are up and left that we knew were going to leave. We just kept praying to God it didn't happen. Oh, Because now our defense is in shambles. And here's the thing about the rebuild. I, I, saw, I saw a thread on Twitter talking about, like, the, the Patriots dynasty. I think it was John Ellis. Yeah, with, with, love John Ellis, by the yeah. way. I'm going to give a shout-out to him. This guy is one of the smartest Panthers fans I've seen. And he's even talking about it, too. He's like, 
he had a tweet I saw today. I didn't mean to get a yeah. job again, but he was saying, he's like, I've been a Panthers fan for 25 years. He's like, I don't love them as much as I used to, but I still actively root for and watch them. And he's like, it's painful to see what the Panthers are going through. He's like, trust in the process. And he thinks the Panthers have a plan because their fans deserve a ring. Their fans deserve success. But he's like, it has been, it's been, it's been tough. And he, he's one of the smartest Panthers fans I've ever seen on Twitter. Oh yeah, most definitely. And the one thing he was talking about, he had a thread about the Patriots and their dynasty. He's like, he was talking about, you know, the, what was the quote that, People notice a healthy smile, but maybe you have tooth sensitivity, bleeding gums, or acid-weakened enamel. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel are trusted specialty toothpastes created to help improve your oral health. For tooth sensitivity, choose Sensodyne. Bleeding gums, get Paradontax. For acid-weakened enamel, Pronamel is the toothpaste for you. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel. Trusted specialty toothpaste to help bring home your healthy smile. Visit Ibotta to earn cash back. How many years did, did what the Tepper say about this process that we're, that we're supposed to be going into? It was quite a few. I, he said it was going to be... Next year, so I think he's gonna. I think it was like five or six. Yeah, see, before he, you're gonna see, see results. His thing about those five or six, throw that out the play. Throw that out the window because his thing in the NFL, it only takes you 18 months. Yeah, it only takes you 18. If you go back to when we made our first Super Bowl back in the 03 04 season, it took 18 months. We were 115 and 01, yeah, 79 and 02, 11 and 5 03. It doesn't take it that happen. long, it, it, it can happen in an instant. So that, that makes me hopeful. As far as that, we we won't probably won't wait five years. Like, yeah. And really, he knows he doesn't have five years with uh, with the fans to get this right. Yeah. So, Rule knows he don't he he got a seven year coaches deal. Coaches don't have. You got two years to make this thing happen. That's mm-hmm. that's the fact. I'll give him matter. three. I'll give him three. Rule. Well, in the court of public opinion, you have two years. <laughs> that's fair. That I mean, I yeah, yeah I know realistically it takes about three years to get it all. Because he gave Rivera three, even until yeah, Rivera, and, and, and you see what happened with Rivera. He gave yeah, it take, took some time, but the first two years, okay. What six and ten, seven and nine, twelve and four, third year. It takes about three to get it to get it right. I and mean, I even just, that third year when it was that uh, that one in three start, people were calling for his head. Oh yeah, yeah. it's just it. I just you know I, I don't know. It's just it, it doesn't take as long as Tepper's talking about. And I hope he doesn't really mean that it's gonna take five years because I ain't got five years to work. I was gonna say, I do y'all know. think realistically we're gonna see a Panthers Super Bowl ring? In the next decade, in the next two, in our lifetime, when do we think we're going to see one? Hopefully, in a lifetime. Hopefully, in a lifetime. Yeah. But I'm nervous though. Without, without their team winning a championship, that's tough. I mean, if you think about some Bills fans or some Browns fans that have seen, you know, hadn't even seen a playoff game in their lifetime. I mean, or the Cubs that had gone what? My God, it was like 85 years or something like that without even without making it to the playoff or the World Series. You know how sick I'd be if I have a kid. By the time we won our first Super Bowl, I'm gonna be upset, and I'm and I'm depends on how quick you have a kid. <laughs> I was thinking about having one like in the next like what like ten. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm 33, and I'm just not seeing a Super Bowl. I'm gonna be highly upset. But I'm, I'm gonna enjoy it. But I mean, oh, I'm gonna enjoy it. All right, definitely. I a, guess it just all depends on how how viable do we think rebuilds can be? How successful do we think they are? Do we think because there's been teams that have claimed to rebuild? I mean, you think you you hear the trust the process and. That's still looking to be desired. That's still looking to see real results, honestly. And I mean, some teams they just kind of, you know, they claim they've rebuilt it or they've claimed. There's been certain situations. I personally don't think that rebuilds have enough proof to show that it is viable, especially in the NFL. Yes. You can you can make a case for NBA. You can make the case for baseball, I guess. But in the NFL, I don't really see it. What do y'all think? 
Uh, yeah. So uh, this is the NFL, not the NBA, obviously. So this, I can't deny that like the Sixers and some other teams in the NBA have purposely tanked. And notice how none of us have said the word tanked until now. Yeah. That's just not a thing in the NFL. No. And so I, I don't want fans to confuse us saying rebuild for tanking because it just doesn't work that way. You can't just completely strip your team down of like nothing. That's why I think this last year for the Dolphins, it was good to get uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick because, you know, they wanted a high pick, but he's kind of like a fan favorite guy. So, so that kind of works both ways for them. So I'm just, you know, if we, we can't just tank, but like, if we keep some pieces around, you know, you, you got to keep the fans involved in one way or another to like truly rebuild. And like a few years ago, the Seahawks, everyone was calling for them to rebuild. But what they did was kind of just like retool a few different positions, make a few small moves and they were back at the top. They didn't have to go all the way down to the bottom and then come back up. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with everything he said. Obviously, the main difference between basketball and football is that basketball is a 15 man roster. Yeah, if I if I if I if I pull a cut, if I draft one guy, he can change my fortunes for a long time, and yeah. that's, that's how it goes. Football is a, it's a big three man roster, meaning every pick I make matters. Meaning the my best player out of a draft can be my fifth round pick. Yeah, you have to just you have to draft well. You then and you can get these guys whenever. And with and with it being such a a long draft process in the NFL, like yeah, tanking doesn't really work because your best player probably is a third rounder. Yeah. And most most of the best players in the league aren't first round guys. It's not. Like, you know, so I mean, tank is not really a real thing in the NFL that works anyway. Because I mean, if, if that's the case, the Browns should be Super yeah. Bowl champions. You would know? tank, yeah. You know, it, you know. So I mean, it, tanking doesn't really. You the, know. the only viable case I've seen in the NFL in the last decade or so, and it's not even really to a term. It definitely isn't tanking, and it may, it's not. It wasn't even really an intentional rebuild, but intentional basically was the 49ers. I mean, after their Super Bowl loss. You, you could see their defense, 95% of their defense out the gate. You know, they were gone. I mean, you had either retirements or you had you people leave. You just had everyone leave, basically. And so then out the gates, they took a long but, – but they took a long time. That Super Bowl was what, 2013, I think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, now they found themselves, you know, in the Super Bowl again come some, some seven years later. And I think they still – because they were making active moves. I mean, they had one of the youngest – they've had them – I think the stat was from last year – to this year, they had the biggest disparity of players that weren't on that of names that were not the same mm-hmm. of the roster that they, the people that they had in the, one, the year before to the people they had in the next year. They had maybe I think I want to say the number was it was somewhere between seven and fourteen of players that were still that remained on the roster and they wiped everybody else. And I mean, you could say I mean obviously it got into the Super Bowl and you can say whatever you want about how they got there, but it worked for them. I just. I, I just don't I don't see that us going in that direction. I think Tepper is a businessman. He knows that same thing that you're saying. Like you got to keep the fans happy. You got to keep people in the seats. You wipe this team completely. No one's going to show up. People were barely showing up last year as it was. So I think as a businessman, it's going to be very interesting to see. I think Tepper obviously has much more of a of a hand in the decision making for this team, much more so than Jerry did, because I think towards. Uh, since about 2005, Jerry was just up in senile. I don't think he was really yeah. doing much. But Tepper has got his foot in every door and is going to make decisions as a businessman and a football guy because he's also a very smart football guy. He's, yeah. he, he knows the game, but he also makes more business-oriented decisions. I just don't see him going for that process of, of rebuilding, at least to the extent of 
you know, just wiping clean. Yeah. I think he might make progressive steps to do so that either may be seen or unseen. But And the oddest thing about this rebuild compared to everybody else is that none of them had a, a former MVP on their roster either. Exactly. That, and that's the part that makes this thing so much harder. It's just like, what do you do with that piece? Like, do you, like, because, I mean, at this point, I say, you know. Shop them. You shop them. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You also, I also don't tell anybody I'm shopping. I'm like, do you want them? Yeah. If you want them, you can come. You can get I'm them. not going to be desperate about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think, and I understand maybe the approach they're taking. It's like, you you can get them if you want them. Yeah. We ain't selling. Like, we're not particularly, not necessarily selling, like, publicly. But if you come with the right stuff, eh. we'll, consider, we'll <laughs> consider it. Uh, yeah. In other news, the Panthers today signed defensive lineman Chris Smith. Can anybody tell me who that is? Tyler, Shantese, Jeff, I'm, wherever you are, can I'm someone playing, tell me? I'm playing Tyler. Got it. <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> You're saying uh, that we're really screwed. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. They, they say he's a he's a hometown guy. I don't know what that means. I've never I've I've never heard of this dude. I imagine this is just more so more say, more than not saying that Poe is out the door, oh, which. Which we assume we assume pretty much out the gate was going to happen. Um, I mean, what do you think about about letting him walk or resign? I mean, he obviously didn't have the impact that whatever they thought he was going to have. So, I mean, I'm I'm okay with letting him walk. He was getting better. Yeah. Up, up, up yeah. Ish, yeah. I mean, it wasn't much, but it was something, I guess. Without KK, he was he did, did, he dwindled back into his normal state. I think the only reason he really performed was that. Situation where you had KK, Gerald, and Poe. Your line's got to block somebody. They're going to have to double team somebody. It's not going to be Poe. So Poe's going to get some space and some release. Probably could have been great as a rotational piece if KK was there. Um, yeah. That's about it, though. He was, getting paid. He was going to get paid too much money for me to believe we should have brought him back, though. You know, so. Yeah. So that's, I mean, what do you think about that, Tyler? Just all yeah, that. Exactly. You know, when we brought him in, I was a little bit excited about it, but. He's just more of like a run stuffing, like um, you know, two gap guy. That's not really gonna make a big impact, and I don't think that's worth you know paying a lot of money. Or, and you know, we already got you know KK, and then um, we'll see what we do with McCoy. But I, I'm alright with letting him walk, definitely. Yeah, I'm more so focused on McCoy. I think he had a he obviously contributed much more than. I mean, he was the most exciting part about coming. Like, because going into last offseason, we were. I know I was optimistic. Yeah, I was. I knew there were yeah, pieces uh, there were pieces missing, but I was still horribly optimistic. And then that signing overall I was like, oh my God, we've played against him for years. We know how much he's screwed up some of our games. Like he is a great if we can't if you can't have someone like Levante David, you get Gerald McCoy. Like that's who you get. Because I was a big opponent for trying to get Levante David. Could you imagine Shaq Thompson, Luke Keekley, and Levante David all playing in the same backfield oh, that's or line? Sick. That's I, a nasty line. That's <laughs> unreal. That's and what he's on the 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 Raiders the I don't know where or the where did Levante go? Chiefs? No. He Levante stayed with the Bucks. No, he didn't go. He, he got he he got off the Bucks. Yeah. I'm fairly certain. I was thinking of a different Buccaneers linebacker. Yeah, let's see. Oh let's no, see. he's on the uh. Oh, you think? Who am I thinking of? Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander. Okay, so I'm actually thinking Quan was the, the free agent, and that still yeah. would have been nice. Oh, good having, God. Are you kidding me? Oh, having Quan, Shaq, and Luke? But regardless, so 
When we got Joe McCoy, I was so excited. I was like, okay, we have the best front seven in football. You can't tell me different. You can, we have McCoy, we have KK, we have Poe, we have you know Vernon Butler, whatever he does, and we have Addison, and then we have Burns, which we didn't know how good he was going to be, but we had a pretty good feeling. Yeah, and then we have Burns, Keekley, Thompson, and Thompson. Like, oh my God, we're going to go off. And then you throw Bruce Irvin in there. Like, I was so excited. And I think he was the most contributing free agent that we had this season, other than maybe Matt Paratus. So I really would hate to see him leave, especially if he were to go to somewhere like the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, I think we, I don't want to break the bank for him per se, because he is up there in age. But I think working with KK and working with, you know, um, if it comes down between like him and Addison, maybe Mario, I don't know. That's, because Mario's, like we've been saying, he's in that weird age range. He's in that no man's land because he yeah. still contributes, but he's old. And he he contributes, but like he's like a, a non He could be replaced. Year, right. Which yeah. is like, yeah, it's, it's, it's good production. It's not great production for your best pass rusher, but yeah. it's good production nonetheless. So, um, and then going, you know, moving into the, into the backfield, or excuse me, into the into the the second and third level. I mean, do we let do we let Bradbury walk now? I mean, the money he's going to be asking for, I can't imagine that we give him. Mm, Bradbury is a weird case. I don't pay him. Simply put, I don't I don't pay him that that money he's asking for. If if with the position we're in, we're not we're not making moves to win now. Yeah. Why pay him? And plus, I don't believe he's worth the money that he's going to be asking for. Should he get paid that money by somebody? Yes. Should it be by us? No. I'm with going, I'm with moving on. And you can find, there's better options. Not next yeah. it's better options financially. Maybe, maybe not as far as play-wise, but I don't think Bradbury's that premium of a corner that you can't replace him. It's, like, it's, it's not like his production is the greatest in the world. He's, nah. But he's a solid corner, though. Don't get it twisted. But, he would shut down some big guys. Yeah, he he he, he's, he's, he has his moments. He so, held his own against pretty much every NFC South receiver. Yeah, which is tough to do. That's, which is that's tough not to do. easy. Very at tough all. to do. That's, I mean, the, that's the best receiver. That's the best. You, these are the best receivers you're going to see in football yeah. in one division. They led the top five in receiving yards. We had the entire the NFC South had it locked down. So mm. I mean, what do you, what do you or what maybe what about like Trey Boston bringing him back too? Yeah, you know, for the secondary with Bradbury, it wasn't surprising that he came out and said, you know, he wants to be the highest paid corner in the league with 15 million. But for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay him either because I want my DBs to find the ball. And you know, Bradbury doesn't really have the ball production. You know, he's done well in covering guys, but you know, creating turnovers is just not his thing. But but with Trey Boston, I definitely think we should bring him back. Um, you know, having Eric Reed at that one safety spot is nice, and then Boston at the other. I mean, they're kind of you know, Reed is more of that strong safety type, and Boston is more better in coverage. But um, I'd say we like try to bring him back on a cheaper deal, but that wouldn't rule out drafting a safety in the draft because no. we see how the league's going to you know, they play teams play nickel seventy five percent of the time, and having a third safety in there, you know, it doesn't hurt. No, definitely not at all. Especially, I mean, we resigned. Uh, Cockrell, I'm fairly – yeah, we were saying Cockrell. I mean, you try he, – he made waves as a nickel cornerback. He had his moments, and I could even see him – if we transferred him over to the number two corner spot, had Dante in the one. I mean, I, I, I would have to see how he does, you know, out there by himself. But, I mean, it wouldn't be, the, it wouldn't be unheard of, especially if you do want to get an Isaiah Simmons, in the, you know, for that seventh pick and then have him linger in that nickel, especially because that's the thing with Isaiah. He could be that same kind of hybrid guy. He could be your safety, but could also play linebacker. 
He can move. I mean, you know, he can move around. He's got that speed and that tenacity. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, I guess I guess I guess forget how it's because of how long it's been. But it's a lot like Thomas Davis when he came out. Not Thomas. Not Thomas Davis wasn't yeah. the avid, but the physical no. specimen. But Davis thing. was a safety coming out of college, transitioning to playing linebacker. Yeah. He was great for us because he was he was so athletic that he could play in the slot. gave yeah. us gave us all that production there. But we didn't have to go get. Well, you didn't have to draft that safety. Great. We didn't have to draft great at safety because he was the guy that that was like a dual threat type of guy in that on that defensive side of the ball. Well, same thing with Shaq Thompson. I mean, he was a safety yes, in college. Yes. He transferred yes. to linebacker. Shaq was like what he was running back and linebacker and safety on college. So I mean, these hybrid guys have worked for the Panthers in the past. And I think you could fill him in, and he could cover, you know, that middle to second level of the of the entire defense, and do fine. You have, you know, Burns who can go to the front, the first level, and the second level, and transfer back and forth. And you have your, you have Shaq, and you have. I almost said Keekly. <laughs> That's upsetting. It's okay. I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. We're gonna <laughs> throw in that uh, that meme of just the dog sitting there and the house is on fire. Just put bank <laughs> It's fine. Everything's fine. Because that's what that's what this episode's been. It's been us just trying to recover from the perennial shit show that is the Carolina Panthers. <sighs> I mean, there's and, and draft is the only way to improve. We've talked about that before. The free agency is one way we can improve. Unfortunately, the Panthers are one of the biggest headache-inducing teams when it comes to the free agency. They'll they will be in talks for literally every player that is in free agency. They're like, yeah, Panthers is talking to him. Panthers are shopping him, and then nothing. And they won't do anything until mid-September, maybe early October. They won't. But so praying, by the grace of God, they do do something. <laughs> I said do-do. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so distraught. I'm so distraught. I'm so emotionally drained. I just laughed at myself saying do-do on the air. God almighty, someone stop making me talk. All right, regardless. So like I said – um, trying to fix ourselves through free agency, uh, something that obviously we need to address right away is that open linebacker spot. I mean, like I just said, I, I couldn't think, I mean, I said Shaq and then silence crickets. There's nothing, you know what I mean? Cause without, with Burns and I mean, you have Burns and Addison, but you have Burns who was underutilized last year and very young, but was outstanding when he played. Then you have Addison who is like we said, can't perform, could be replaced, is old, but still could contribute. We don't know. And then Irvin's, I'm assuming, already two steps out the door. I can't yeah. imagine we keep him. But I think a guy that we could bring in, wouldn't have to pay a whole lot of money for, and you could get him on a three, four-year deal, get him at the peak of his career, is Blake Martinez, middle linebacker out of Green Bay. I know Titletown probably loves him over there. But, I mean, and they should. He's only 24 years old. He's got 90 tackle, solo tackles in three seasons. And he's never been injured. Oh, he, 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 he's in Chicago now. Is he in Chicago now? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Since when? This, this past year. He was this year. He played a bulk of his career in Green Bay, but he, he's, he was in Chicago this past year. That slipped my mind. Yeah. Sorry, Todd Town. Sorry, Hollis Hall or DeBears or Tailgater, whichever one of you actually talks about Chicago. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, so then Blake Martinez, uh, he's got, like I said – 90 solo tackles in three seasons, and he hasn't missed a game in that time. Um, he would be able to fill a hole right off the bat, and he would be able to contribute from day one. So, you know, if we could try to get him, chop him, I should, I don't think we'd have to break the bank for him. Um, and I think that he could be a, a guy that is dependable. Um, what about what about y'all? I got Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Um, 
just because just because of a guy. I just I just like him. No, I mean I, I mean I, I, I you know at this point if you don't bring back Trey then then at least go upgrade or I mean or if you want to go draft a guy then be, then be my guest. But I like this is this is a personal favorite, not necessarily anything that necessarily fits with what we have going on right now, but. It's a personal preference. No, but I get that. Haha has been contrib- he's contributing on every team he's played for, and he's been he's what 24, 20, 27. 27. It's a little old for a corner, but could be a lot worse. Um, I mean, a corner, excuse me, a safety, but could be a lot worse. Safeties, especially, they have a little bit more longevity in their positions than corners do, just because of you know you can transition to free safety and hang back a little bit, or you can still, and then you're you're sneaky off of the strong safety. So definitely, if we were to want if we wanted to save money and save, I mean. He might want a little bit more money than Trey. That's true. He would probably want a little bit more than Trey, but he would also give us, I think, a little bit more um, dependability. Like I said, with, than, with, mm-hmm. than Trey. I mean, you knew, you know, what you're getting with Trey. You, it could be great. It could be crap. It could be everywhere in between. With Haha, I mean, he's credited. He's a multi-year Pro Bowler, um, and he's made waves every team. And he's a, also a turnover machine. He, yeah. he's, he hawks the ball. And so, if you wanted to not, you know, use your seventh pick on Isaiah Simmons, then, and you wanted to go somewhere else, then Ha Ha is not a bad option at all. What about you, Tyler? Yeah, I went with a lesser known name, probably uh, in Emmanuel Mosley. Um, he was on this 49ers team this year and he got some time here and there, but he's only 24 years old at corner. He's going to become a free agent this offseason. And, you know, he um, he ended up filling in for somebody in against the Vikings in the playoffs. I forget who wasn't doing a great job, but he came in and, you know, he had his fair share of mistakes here and there, but he also had some good flashes where I think there's something there to build off. And if we get rid of Bradbury, you know, bringing in Mosley for an outside corner could be a quick fix if we can't find somebody in the draft because, you know, you, you can only get so many starters out of one draft. So we can't, you know, we can't get a defensive tackle, a linebacker, a safety corner, you know, in one draft. So, he could be a small bridge player there at corner and maybe develop him into something. And the reason I like him is if he's 24, like rather than signing like an older player, you know, we're, if we do want to rebuild, we don't have all of our money tied up in, you know, an older player like that. Yeah. It's very, like I said, it's very interesting to see what the Panthers do because when we do sign free agents, they're normally lesser known guys and we don't really make big splashes. And when we do make big splashes, when we do get these bigger names, it's normally towards the end of their careers. Your Mike Adams, your Charles Tillmans, your Jared Allen's, your, you, I mean, your, Keyshawn Johnson, your Keyshawn Johnson's, mm-hmm. your, I mean, all your your Jeremy Shaw. He wasn't that old. He, Jeremy Shaw was old. He was he, he was, was old. Really he was old. old. I mean, yeah, your your Jeremy McCoy's. I mean, you get your you know your Bruce Irvin's really old. You get you know C.J. Andersons at the yeah. ends of their career. Even Mike Tolbert was coming to the end of his career. You get these right. bigger names and you get them late. So. It, it's no shock to me that we got this Chris Smith dude. Now he's not Chris Smith. Charles yeah, Chris Smith. He's not a well-known name by any means, but he's older. Imagine. I mean, it's just. It's like I said from the beginning, and it's what's been super aggravating about the Panthers in the past decade or so, is that, in reality, other than maybe that 2013 to 2015 season, like those seasons, most decisions we made were these band-aid fixes. Yeah, and even in that span of 2014, I mean, getting—I mean, get actually no. Now I think about it. I mean, you get your your Charles Tillman, your Jared Allen, like those guys. I was saying, there was very old. Your Captain Munderland, your excuse me, not Captain Munderland, Cortland Finnegan. Like you were getting these guys that you knew were only going to give you one to two years max of performance, and then weren't setting yourself up to have anything to replace them with. 
So right at the gate, you're like, well, crap, what are we going to do now? And it's that, it's that, it's that nature and it's that environment that I hope temper changes because that's the mindset we need to get out of. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's the league. It's, it's, it's it really the league. That's the, the NFL. A lot of, like, you know. At least it's our NFL. Yeah. But, I mean, we can only, there's only, we can only go up, right? <laughs> right? It can't get worse, right? Okay. I, think, I think I said that week two. I think I said it can't get worse. It can, and then oh, it got worse. Oh, oh, it can get worse. I'm so scared to see what happens come six episodes from now. Because, yeah, wow. like you were saying, uh, week one or two, we were very optimistic, yeah. and now you can see the, you can see how everybody's drained. Everyone is just, just <laughs> drained, yeah. but we're getting new life breathed into us. Like we said, this website, y'all, is something that's really really cool, and we got to be a part of it coming out the ground running. Um, we joined, like we keep saying, we feel like we got to join this at the perfect time. Um, so just got to thank. You know, all the guys at the Bob Network for allowing us to be a part of this and giving us this opportunity. And we got to ask y'all, please go check out the website. Please go hit up some of the merchandise. We don't get any of the money, but hey, it looks cool. And uh, other than that, too, um, oh, yeah, I forgot. So normally uh, Jeff will give us the kicker, but uh, Jeff's feeling a little bit under the weather right now. um, So he was taking a break this week. It's the beauty of having four co-hosts. We can take a week off. Um, so, Shantis, you want to give us a kicker this week? Yes. So, for Panther fans that may not be aware, if you don't know, the Panthers have never had back-to-back winning seasons, which I think we all know that, known that. But and their best seasons normally have come in odd number of years. If you go back to the first Super Bowl that we made it to, 03. Okay, cool. We didn't make the playoffs again until 05. Now, we do have the outlier year in 08, but then we didn't make the playoffs again until 2013. And we made the Super Bowl in 2015. So you can see where this is going. <laughs> 2019 broke the chain. 2019, that was when I was like, oh no. Because that was we Cam had that, you know, we had Cam was starting to look like an MVP again. Yeah. We had that five, six game winning streak. And then everything went to shit. And from then on, it's been kind of that. I think that's what's been this turn for the Panthers. That's what's kind of sparked. All of this. I mean, you know, you have your new owner and you have all that. But like you're saying, it's like most Panthers fans know, and that's why we are so aggravated as much as we are. You have 27 seasons. No, 28, 27, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. And you've never had two back-to-back winning seasons. You know how, like, there's even seasons where we went 7-9 and and then 8-8. and Like, and that's just not, that's no man's land. There was four years, there's a four-year span where I kid you not, we went seven and nine, eleven and five, seven and nine, eleven and five. Yeah. I actually think that was twenty two. I think that was two thousand two, three, that, oh, four, that, and five. That, that strip between oh five and oh eight. Yeah, or, it might have been oh five and oh eight. Oh I don't even God. remember. But yeah, it was literally that. It went seven and nine, eleven and five, seven and nine, eleven and five. Like that's just that's how you induce headaches and aneurysms for fans all across the NFL. Um, but yeah, so. Thank y'all again uh, for listening with us. We're gonna try to cheer ourselves up. We're gonna please stay with us. Please hold on because hopefully it's going to get better and we're gonna keep our emotions up. Jeff will be back next week. Hopefully, he always keeps our spirits up. You know, he's a very cheery dude. He always likes to keep us on the straight and narrow because Lord knows he's had to deal with crappy seasons for a while. Being a Titans fan, he has seen the worst of it. I think it was funny. I saw one tweet and it was like, um. 
all these new Panthers fans that have been Panthers fans since the Super Bowl, like <laughs> they have, ah. they don't know what you know going through it is. And ah. so I retweeted him saying, "You've been a team for 25 years. No one who's been a fan your entire tenure has knows what going through it is." Oh, but we, but we, but we do. Well, but we do. This is not my first rodeo, buddy. This is not our first rodeo. <laughs> so, like I said, next we'll come at you. I don't know what topics we're gonna have next week. Honestly, um, we'll tweet it out at some point of the week, but. Like we said, so much can happen in the span of the week for the Panthers, and so many horrible decisions or good things can happen. We don't really know. But either way, we still love getting to do this every week, and we still enjoy getting to do it. So, again, thank you all so much for coming out and listening. And until next time, everybody, keep pounding. From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit penfed.org slash powercash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Dunkin's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-tos. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer.